2: Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is coming to you on Thursday, April 16th, one week before the 2020 NFL draft. We have a couple of things for you today as we get ready for the draft. Uh, First, we will have clips from the conference call held on Wednesday by New York Giants head coach Joe Judge, in which he addressed a lot of of draft-related and off-season-related topics. Those clips will be, uh, you'll hear transitions Done uh, between those clips by Joe DeLeon, co-host of the uh, of the Chris and Joe Show here on Big Blue View Radio. We thank him for uh, for cutting up those clips and and doing the transitions for us. The second thing that you will hear is an interview that I did with good friend and longtime NFL talent evaluator, talent scout. Dave T. Thomas, a man who has about five decades worth of experience scouting NFL talent. We'll hear a lot of of Dave's unique and uh, interesting thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft and on what the Giants might do. So without any further ado, let's get right to the clips from Giants coach Joe Judge.
3: New Giants head coach Joe Judge spoke to the media on Wednesday, and he spoke about a number of issues relating to free agency, the NFL draft, but more importantly, took a number of questions about how things are going to be impacted for him in this upcoming season because he's a new coach dealing with an unprecedented event. Judge pointed out that every coach is dealing with the same issue and also talked about a very similar but very different instance being the NFL lockout that happened in 2011.
2: You know,
0: all we're concerned about at this point really is getting the foundation laid through whatever means that ends up being. You know, we have been preparing here for some time for these uh, meetings to go virtual, we we'll be able to communicate with our players through the conditioning program and have everything set up that we can work with them. Look, I think the advantage goes to whoever's best prepared from this point forward. I don't think any established program have an advantage over anybody else. It's how you can find a way to communicate with your players and deliver a message. Whether you've been in the program for years or not, everyone has changes to their system. Everybody has uh, everybody has changes to what they're going to be doing in the offseason. They're going to have the same challenges of communicating to their players. Well, this is definitely a fluid program, first off. And what we're dealing with right now is a lot of uncertainty. So we have to control is what we have the ability to control. For us as a staff right now, You know, we're looking at just making sure we get the installs in the way we want to get them in and make sure that whether our players get back to us this spring or not, they've got a solid base on the knowledge of our program that when we start truly practicing competitively in training camp, that they've got a good head start on it. I would say there's a significant difference between this year and 2011. And first off, I'd like to point out in the lockout, the biggest difference was our players' ability to train and condition themselves to be ready to practice when they return. And when you think about it, you know, at the time, you had Drew Brees bringing the Saints down in New Orleans to throw. You had Colt McCoy took the Browns down to Austin, Texas. Travel was accessible. These players had the ability to go to a gym, you know, in their local town and train to work with trainers. That's been removed for the most part across the country right now. And the biggest thing we've got to make sure that we adjust for is the ability for our players to be prepared physically when they get back. When you track 2011, which is the last year, we didn't have an off-season program with the players. The injury data is what it is. It's the highest in recorded league history, especially in recent years. And that was even with the players training on their own as hard as they could. The tough thing for a player is to really get pushed through football movements, prepare themselves for practice. So we have to make adjustments that when we finally do get the players back, hopefully sooner than later, but we have to make sure we practice the right way and give, themselves a chance, give the players a chance to condition their bodies and be physically ready so we can avoid injury.
3: On Monday, General Manager Dave Gettleman spoke a ton about how the current situation in our country has impacted the ability to evaluate prospects in person, meet them at their pro days, and also host them for visits. Joe Judge also talked about the issues, but also the ability to still get a sense for what a prospect is like
1: to work with all the players.
0: We've watched them. You know, and again, we've seen them from a distance is the key way to say We've watched them on tape. We've watched them from afar. You know, most of the staff was on other teams last year, so we've watched them from an outsider's perspective. You know, we're really anxious to get them in our building and work with them put our hands on them. You know, Bruce, it wouldn't be fair to really give a true evaluation to anybody that you haven't worked with. But I can say this. We're excited to work with every player that we've had from the previous roster and the new guys we have added to this roster right now. You know, we're looking forward to going to the draft and listen... We're all kind of tapping our foot right now, just anxious to be able to have any kind of exposure of players that we can. But when we start going virtually, it'll give you a great insight into the players as to how they interact within meetings. You know how insightful they are with the questions they ask, how current they can stay on the information. You know, and that's what we're really waiting for. Well, what we've done is we've used everything available to us art to really go ahead and get the best picture of each player. So I can tell you. Losing the visits to your, to your campus or to go to the players' campus and watch them on a pro day, you've really got to utilize these meetings online. It gives you an opportunity to look the player in the eye as you talk. I'm very big on body language. I'm very big on eye contact. And at least you have the opportunity to look a player in the eye as you ask them a question and see his reaction. So that's big right there. It gives you a good picture of how they are as far as talking ball, how much they can learn and teach back to you. And the other thing we've had to do is rely on our contacts and people that we trust, and we're very fortunate on our staff and me personally that we have a lot of contacts out there with a lot of these players that have coached them and that we have good enough relationships with these you know, coaches that they give us honest feedback. And to me, it's important to not just talking to someone at that program but talking to someone you trust at that program. That's going to really tell you inside now what that player is like as a person, as a teammate, and as a player on a daily basis. I spent a lot of time on the phone talking to guys that I have very good, very deep relationships with, investigating these players. And that all goes into our evaluation. You know, the talent level is one thing, but it's it's more than just fantasy football. We're not just throwing players on a roster, we're building a team. And we've got to account for how guys are in the meeting room, how they are in the locker room, how they interact with their teammates, and what they're gonna bring from a culture standpoint.
3: When asked about evaluating prospects and favoring players that are versatile, like Clemson's Isaiah Simmons, Joe Judge pointed out He's seeking guys that have high upside potential.
0: I think that when you're looking at players in the draft, first off, you're always looking for the best player available. And to me, that means long-term upside. If you think you're taking someone who's so on pro-ready, what all these rookies find out the second they step in the building is, none of them are pro-ready. That's why they need the spring program. That's why they need training camp. That's why they go through growing pains as rookies. To I me, mean, it's about finding the upside and flair of looking down the long scope of a career and seeing who's going to be the best player with the most upside for you. There's really no short-term fix or bandage. You're not going to pick someone in this draft and say, "Okay, we answered, you know, an issue there." It's just bringing the best guy available and then work with them every day. No one's a finished product, whether they're a you know a college guy getting drafted or someone's in the league right now. Everyone has to improve to get where we need to be. I think it matters only in how they fit into your system and how you can use them to expand on your system, Jordan. To me, it's, you know, every player has to have a level of versatility. I don't care if you're a one-position offensive lineman or you're the quarterback. Everyone has to have versatility within their game to adjust to different game plans and schemes. So To me, if you find a player who's had great impact and has the upside, that's a guy you want to really add to your roster. You know, the upsides are the biggest part of it. So in terms of is it someone else to have a true position home, to me, the position home is going to be defined by how you choose to use them. And that's really up to us as coaches to be creative and maximize their strengths, you know, and not talk about what they're not and figure out what they can do for us and help us win.
3: Like most coaches and talent evaluators, Joe Judge is locking himself in his basement and spending long days grinding things out and evaluating prospects up until it's time to make the pick. Judge pointed out that he has a friend joining him for these long days. Of grinding tape.
0: Well, I have a I have a more accurate picture for you after we go through a couple of mock drafts ourselves as an organization with the league. Uh, however, uh, I have told my kids that you know there's times I'm going to need them get out of the basement. and up to be present. You know, based on how we set up our draft board, that I can have a visual in my in my uh, in my basement. You know, I've already talked to them about possibly taking tags off the wall and, and organizing different things. Uh, I'm not looking to make this a vacation for anybody. We've got a lot of serious work to get done, but it is still our house. And like everyone else in America is finding out, you know, everyone's working with their family, always present. And that's, uh, that's pretty true for us. I got a golden retriever sits on a couch next to me for about 15 hours a day. So you know, right now she can probably tell you more about who we're going to take in the first round than anybody else.
2: Giants fans, I'm joined now by longtime NFL scout Dave T. Thomas, who's got about five decades worth of of NFL scouting experience. Good friend of uh, of of Big Blue View, and we always appreciate his insight. So, uh, Dave T., welcome to the show. Hey, it's Christmas Day for NFL teams today.
1: They're all putting in their last request uh, reports. After today, I shut down till draft day,
2: and. Uh, you know, obviously, the the speculation is is uh, fast and furious, and, and the arguments about what the Giants will or should do at number four between Isaiah Simmons and offensive tackle are are uh, are you know raging. Uh, your thoughts? I think uh, if if I know you, I think you're uh, you're of the belief that they'll go offensive tackle, and that that's what they should do.
1: They got to go for Wurfs. One reason is worse can not only play right tackle and right guard has experience over at left tackle if they want to get rid of the mistake by the lake after the season and solder. What I'm looking at is while Simmons is uh, obviously a great player to have on that team. I think DG's going to sit back and say, well, I signed Martinez, I signed Fackrell, how am I going to justify $36.5 million over here to two mediocre products, even though he has a superstar sitting on the board? Now, if they do end up drafting Simmons, I don't see them playing Simmons predominantly at linebacker. I look at them creating a position, Rover, where he's more like a strong safety, that will free up Peppers to, you know, stay and make his plays inside the box but I'm telling you Ed, I am still looking at Tristan Wurst that is just too hard to pass up you gotta go back a couple of years with Indianapolis when they took Nelson out of the, uh, Notre Dame everybody says oh that was too early to go for an offensive lineman I say better to go for, uh, for a player around too late than to regret it later on there could obviously be a trade and if it is a trade if DG does decide to drop down I don't see him drop and down more than seven, and Carolina is definitely willing to trade up the number four of Simmons is still on the board. We still have Detroit, though. Detroit's trying to make their move over here of trying to trade down with a team that wants a quarterback, but I'm looking at the quarterback-needy teams playing Detroit's bluff. That will end up with Simmons or Jeff Okadu on the board, and they definitely need help at both positions. I think they go for the Ohio State product.
2: And uh, I want to go back to Werfs for a second, though. He's definitely, you know, the guy that you think the Giants would target and, and should target, you know, if they want the best offensive tackle.
1: If you're looking for a right tackle version of Joe Thomas, Tristan Werfs is it. No knock on the other guys over here. Andrew Thomas is the most consistent of all of the offensive linemen in his draft. But Tristan Werfs brings so much to the table. Hey, we're looking at a kid that if they start him as a rookie, I'd look at him being at the Pro Bowl.
2: As a rookie at right tackle? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, the kid is that good, and you got to go back and look at uh, Kirk Ferentz ever his history with offensive linemen. I would put him in the same class as Marshall Yanda.
2: Wow, that's that's high praise. I mean, you don't worry about. I mean, there are some people who say, "Oh, he's a guard, or he'll have to, he'll be better at guard." You, you don't, uh, sounds like you don't go along with that at all.
1: No, because I'm looking at the kid. I'm looking at his footwork. I'm looking at his lateral agility. I'm looking at his explosion off the ball. 127 knockdown blocks this year. 23 touchdown result in blocks. You look at the team, especially with the way that the uh, the Giants are set up. Well, they went a year too early getting the quarterback. They really needed to get the offensive line straightened out, but they brought Daniel Jones in. You build your offense around your offensive line. It takes up to three years for the those guys to Jill. I, I like Fleming as a sixth man, but if they start him at right tackle, they're still going to have issues over there, not as much as they have with Remmers, though.
2: Yeah, so um, so the other guy that everybody talks about as a possibility, you know, you look at all these mock drafts, um, and I look at, uh, I just look at, at, at the size and the athleticism and, and all of that with Mekhi Becton, and I always look at at that, and I know Gettleman's, you know, proclivity for for hog mollies and all that. I look at Becton, and I think this is a guy that Dave Gettleman's going to have a hard time passing up. And you know, obviously, you're you're <laughs> you're going for whiffs, but still.
1: Uh, he what sort it of came down to it. everybody got mesmerized on this kid at the combines when he ran a five one. You notice that all of a sudden he feigned it out and says, I can't run my shuttles." The same thing happened on pro day. He came up with another phantom injury. Why doesn't he want to show what he can do in his shuttles? Because he shows that on the film. This kid cannot move laterally at all. Good explosion off the ball. If he hits that defensive end, he's going to take the guy out on a play. But the problem is he has no retreat ability. Hell, we all went through this stuff already with DG, with Eric Flowers, where he He got a listless offensive lineman. If you go back and look at the grades on Beckman over here, he's 32nd among all of the offensive linemen with a 71 grade. 70 is passing. Meanwhile, I'm looking at Tristan with an 89.5. I mean, it comes down to sensibility over here. And when you look at an offensive lineman, yes, size matters, but also the explosion off the ball, the footwork, uh, the way that they move down the line of scrimmage itself. Beckman's not going to do that. He's just going to stand there and say hello sir, would you like to come into my backfield?
2: Interesting, interesting. So hey, you know, I want to circle back. We talked a little bit. You mentioned, you know, uh, Blake Martinez, Kyler Fackrell. It, it sounds to me like you're not crazy about what the Giants did in free agency.
1: Overall, there were 89, uh, players listed, uh, uh, rated at Martinez position. Overall grade, he was 52nd. Against the run, he was 69th. Covering, he was 59th. Let's go down the fact roll over here at 107 edge rushes, 90th overall with a 58th grade. Folks, 70 is passing. Pass rush, he was 84th of 107 guys. Against the run, he was 100th out of 107 guys last year. I mean if i'm gonna open up my wallet over here and give them some money, these two dudes better have dirty pictures on d g in order to earn that paycheck. <laughs> Are
2: you buying? I mean there's been a lot of chatter. Martinez has mentioned it um I've seen other people mention it uh Gettleman actually talked about it in a conference call on uh on Monday as well. The idea that that martinez. Might be a better scheme fit it the way the Giants want to run their defense than the way he was used in Green Bay. You buy that at all?
1: Hello, Dave gentlemen. Let me knock on your head before your brain cells fall out the other side. How the hell could he keep on coming on saying that? Actually, the guy that's running their defense over there came from the Green Bay family. So you're telling me that Graham, who had these guys, all of a sudden went, gimme, gimme, gimme? I don't think so
2: interesting interesting so
1: well, well, it's like 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 last, last year you know you, you sit back and look at him well pat Shermer was the one to push for Daniel jones he was cya and himself man just in case jones fell on his butt did pat Shermer say that to anybody
2: in all of his press conferences no yeah i don't know i don't know um you know, Schirmer. All well,
1: we have over here is general manager speak, and when mm. it comes to general manager speak, out of
2: thirty-two of them out there, I trust David uh, David Gettleman thirty-third. <laughs> wow, uh, I knew you know I knew you weren't a Gettleman fan, but I didn't think it was uh, I, I didn't think he was that far down your list. The joke down at Carolina when he was out the door over there—if there were a hundred people—if there, Dave gentleman was killed, and there was only a hundred people in the world to be hundred and one suspects. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know. You know. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the about the draft, though. Let's talk about um, about day two, day three. You know, one of one of the spots the Giants really have to address. We you know, we focus so much on offensive tackle, the the center spot. Give me a couple of guys that you think, you know, might be round three, round four, you know, guys guys they could go after at center.
1: Ruiz look good at center. He didn't look good at offensive guard. More than likely, someone's going to move him back to the center position. But if you want the next Jason Kelsey, if you want the best technician out there, and who you will likely find still on the board in round three, head down to the Temple Manning. Everybody down there gives a hoot when they're talking about that, uh, that owl, and that's Matt Hennessy. Hennessey is, how could I put it, if he came out last year, he'd be going before Bradbury. This year, I'm seeing a lot of tight ends, offensive guards, centers being considered day two, maybe, more likely day three. Hennessy is just one of those guys that you got to go after if you need a center.
2: Uh, 36 too early, or can they get him at 99? I think they could get him that far because I think a lot
1: of teams didn't go in and really examine this kid. Understand one thing, what we had over here. We had five teams uh, that didn't send any of their coaches to the Combines. We had two other teams that sent the skeleton. Even Bill Belichick wasn't at the Combines after the first day. He was on the road working out the, how could I put it, the Combines snubs. And that was what was going on. Now you have these coaches over here that generally will wait until after the combines to get in the pro days, to get in their interviews then, and then go into the film room. Now they had to go straight to the film room. And they were going into the film room blind. All they were getting was a list from the scout. The smart teams out there, and I would say only a quarter of them have been smart, a scout seems to be attached in his area to jump in from coach to coach to talk him with the coach. The scout's going to play a much more important role in this year's uh, draft than ever before. But you go back and look at it. Not only that, is how can I put it, the knowing what the guy's going to do ahead of you? If years ago you went to pro day and you saw a general manager and an owner and a head coach on the sidelines looking at that guy, you know they got strong interest in him. Now with the pro days eliminated, Jack doesn't know what Jill is about to do.
2: And you know, let me ask you. Obviously, we're talking about scouts and and you know not being able to, to have the pro days and the and the thirty visits and and all of that. Does this actually help the Giants? You know, because we know that we know, and I know you're you're not a Gettleman fan, but Gettleman's more of the traditional. You know, watch the film and the Giants do have some veteran scouts. Does this could this actually play well for the Giants?
1: Actually I would put them in the top quarter as far as scouting goes. Now whether he relies on them or not is a different case altogether. I'm sure quite a few of his scouts over there, if they mentioned Eric Flowers during the Reese era Reese would have turned around and fired him. That was Reese's own call. I think what we're going to see in this draft when the Giants come up is a lot of patience. I don't see them trading up, possibly trading down, but I don't think more than number seven. Carolina is trying to move up. They're offering a one, three, and a five to move up to the number four spot if Simmons is still there. Now you gotta look at what's going on. Number one, you've got Burrow going to Cincinnati. Redskins are gonna end up taking Chase Young. Number three is where the Lions have the doors open, but you look at the way that the Lions have run anyway, it's a Keystone cop type of situation. I'm surprised Mrs. Ford hasn't run over those two ex-Patriots with her Model T yet. If the Lions stay where they are, I still feel they're gonna go for a cornerback. I don't think Miami feels it's worth them trading up two number ones to move from five to three. I don't think the Chargers want to give up a one, two, and three to move from number six to number three. So what we're going to see is more than likely the quarterbacks that they want there. And I think Miami is going to pull off a big surprise because if Simmons does fall to number five, it would not surprise me if they go for Simmons because actually they got Herbert as their number one quarterback and then followed by Jordan Love. They're very, very sketchy on the two-hour uh, medical.
2: Wow. So so would two oh, two fall to L.A. then?
1: Uh, I don't even think L.A. would go on him right now, I think a lot of teams are getting skittish. One, you got to look at not only the hip injury, but other injuries down there. Two, it's going to take a great adjustment. Remember one thing, not only is he a rookie, he's a left-handed quarterback. So now he's coming, and Keenan Allen and them all have to adjust down. I don't see OTAs. I don't see mini-camps. I don't see rookie camp. I don't see camp opening till sometime in August at the earliest. Now, all of a sudden, all those rookies you drafted in 2020... What's going to turn around with those guys? It's going to be like a redshirt year in college because those guys aren't going to be able to grasp the playbook and apply it to the football field within four weeks' time before the season begins. Now, I'll run something else up by you. What happens if the NCAA decides, you know what, we're going to can the 2020 football season? You saw what a lot of schools did as far as string ball went, as far as baseball and others. They're telling their kids you can't come back to school. Your eligibility is up remember, we got a second phase of the draft that comes up in July. What happens if all of a sudden a bunch of uh, uh, players out there decide, you know what, they're not going to play football, no one's going to see me, I might as well go on a cheap and head to the NFL. That supplemental draft could be very, very deep this year. So a team that doesn't get someone and all of a sudden sees this kid popping up on the board... Bam! They're going to pop on him. I mean, what's happens if Travis at the end from uh, Clemson? All of a sudden, decides, hey, I'm not going to sit around and wait for 2021. I'm going to come out in the supplemental. he will be the first pick in
2: the draft. I hadn't even thought about the supplemental
1: draft and, and and
2: what the NCAA might do, but it is uh, it's definitely a, a crazy time in the and in the NFL, and who knows what's going to happen.
1: Well, if you saw Chris Valley yesterday, he was talking to higher-ups in the NCAA, and they were even talking about pushing the season back to February, February 2021. How's that going to work with the 2021 combine? How's that going to work where well, you're drafting a guy that might still be playing ball while you're drafting him?
2: Yeah, I have no idea how that would work. That's that that's a mess.
1: There's I, a lot of worms out that are popping out of the can. That people right now are saying, "Let's just get through this thing."
2: Yeah, who knows how it's going to go? I just I know it's not uh, it's it's definitely not normal. We know that. I'm sure uh, you know. In all the uh, all the years you've been doing this, have you ever seen anything even remotely close to this? A warning. I warned people years ago, you better
1: plan in case anything crazy happens. And the thing I was really planning in case there was a strike. Now you're seeing this over here. Like I say, your scout is going to be your most important person on that connection line itself. I mean, a coach, even you look at Joe Judge. Joe Judge was coaching up in New England. How the hell did he see these guys unless he's watching them on film? I like it, though, that way, because now you're judging a kid on production, what you're seeing him going through rather than potential. You know what they say about potential. It's like kissing your sister for more than 30 seconds. All of a sudden, all the other people in the room are going to look at you funny.
2: <laughs> oh Dave T, we always enjoy talking to you. We always get some some interesting unique perspectives. Appreciate it and uh, we will be talking to you again soon. So uh, so thanks for the time. Giants fans, that's our show for today. Please remember to check out all of our draft coverage at Big Blue View on our on our Giants draft hub page. Check out the position rankings, all of our position profiles. Features, analysis, lists—just about anything that uh, that you can think of. Film reviews, mock drafts, all kinds of coverage that uh, that we've been putting together for you, and that we will continue to put together. Also, you know, please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check us out on Instagram at Big Underscore Blue Underscore View. Also, check out at Big Blue View on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Thank you very much for listening, Giants fans, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals,